Hey, what's up, podcast family? Hope you guys are keeping well. This week I sat down and chatted with Christine McIver. She is the founder and CEO of Kids Cancer Care Foundation of Alberta, beginning her work in her basement of her home in 1988 to now garnering national attention for her service to children and families battling childhood cancer. On the podcast, we talk about finding your stride as an entrepreneur, the myths when running a nonprofit, how to have a purposeful existence, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leaders and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe at codesa.io on some of the stories or questions you want to hear. I read them well. Now to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. Christine. Oh, thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into it. Um, yeah, so for our listeners, maybe we should jump into uh, your origin story. Well, you know, it was, it's was it been a long time. Uh, Kids Cancer Care has been over, around over 25 years, but, uh, you know, we've been doing the cancer camp programs in Alberta uh, since 1991, which was actually the, the year that I lost my oldest son to a brain tumor. Uh, and essentially started the camp programs here in Alberta because uh, there was nothing for children with cancer uh, in our province. There wasn't a lot happening. Uh, there was certainly very, very little research happening at the time into uh, uh, pediatric cancers, and there was uh, very few uh, programs and services for children with cancer, and uh, I just needed to change all that um, you know, I certainly didn't see myself as a change maker. I just was feeling so desperate for my son and, and his friends that uh, I needed to do something. And uh, so um, a camp for children with cancer seemed like the way to uh, go. And and uh, so I started that um, in the 1990, started the work on it, and then uh, evolved uh, with the help of the Cancer Society uh, for the first few years, and then um, realized that we needed to do so much more for children with cancer. And so uh, 1994 established Kids Cancer Camps of Alberta, which in 1999 evolved to the Kids Cancer Care Foundation, which it is today. What were some of the uh, challenges you faced when uh, starting this uh, awesome venture of yours? <laughs> well, just about everything. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have a clue what I was doing, um, except for uh, starting a, a, a foundation uh, was probably the only thing that I was actually uh, had some background for as a paralegal. I knew what to do there, but uh, fundraising, grant writing, uh, doing the programs themselves came a little bit more naturally because, uh, you know, I'd already been doing it for a few years as a volunteer. Uh, but um, other than that, I think just about everything, uh, you know, I often use the term ignorance was bliss. Well, thank goodness I was ignorant about it because I think I would have run and hid um, about a million times had I known how uh, onerous this uh challenge this this uh, uh, huge ideal was going to be but uh, persevered surrounded myself with uh, really good people and uh, you know the it, it just came true it was uh, uh, essentially taking my dream and sharing it 
and allowing it to be other people's dreams as well. Uh, and that was just to make an impact into the lives of children with cancer. And that's essentially what uh, what, what helped me through that. Uh, every day, uh, it's still the same story. That uh, narrative never changes. Uh, you know, it's, it's sharing your passion, sharing your desire to uh, make the world a better place. And sure enough, you find good people all along that way. Yes, for sure. And what you're doing is definitely um, inspiring uh, great action. But obviously, uh, there's some challenges in the nonprofit sector uh, as of right now uh, with the whole uh, pandemic going on. Um, how has that affected you guys? Well, it's probably affected us in every way, shape and form. And not unlike um, my colleagues in the in the charitable sector and uh, everybody in the in the business sector as well. Uh, we're all facing, um, you know, working from home, not being able to have face to face events uh, and, um, you know, having to switch really pivot quickly to uh, online platforms for all of our uh, programs and luckily I've got just a really top-notch team that uh, is uh, there to help make things happen for us that uh, um, were really professional and and had the passion and the desire to uh, make sure that uh, that this could happen so they they pivoted quickly made all of our programs uh, online uh, and except for of course any of our programs at uh, Camp Kindle we can't go online with those because of course it's all shuttered uh, for now. And, um, and of course, the challenge of raising funds, we raise so much funds uh, by way of uh, events that, uh, you know, we've uh, probably, well, I'd say lost until the end of the summer, and maybe so much as the end of the year, and uh, who knows beyond that. But, uh, you know, I guess I'm setting my expectations really low, so I won't be disappointed anymore. I think every day has been a disappointment since uh, COVID raised its ugly head, and uh, yet there has been silver linings in every day, in every way. So it's been uh, it's been pretty nice to to see the uh, really resiliency of the human spirit, but also uh, in our donors and in our families. Um, our families have been coming um, uh, have been there for us so much over the last few months um, with the remarks that you've been there for us. We've got to be there to make sure that kids cancer care exists for the future. So the families that are going to come after us are there for us as well. Um, so it's been very, uh, very inspiring and very heartwarming and, uh, uh, and, and encouraging. Yeah. And stories of resilience and perseverance always come up in uh, leadership and entrepreneurship and it seems like uh, through your guys' pivots and different ways of navigating through this pandemic you guys are practicing resilience and uh, uh, perseverance to the fullest and I really hope uh, like everybody else that this pandemic has gone sooner than later. Oh don't we all. So jumping back into your uh, career what's one thing you wish you would have known uh, when you first began your career? Um I, I guess it, it's it's something very simple. Um, uh, I think I I wished I'd known how amazing our community is. The community of Calgary, the community of Alberta, um, and um, it it would have 
lifted my spirits in, in kind of the darkest days had I known how good everybody was going to be. There was going to be lots of no's, lots of door slams and, and uh, lots of sorry, we can't help you. But just knowing how uh, good and strong our community is uh, probably would have uh, lightened my, my spirit and my load a little bit. Um, and, um, and, and just the, the volunteering, um, uh, community spirit that there is, uh, in, in uh, Calgary and in Alberta has really, um, been just such a, a, a heartening thing. So had I known that, I guess I, it probably wouldn't have changed my path at all, but it certainly would have made, um, some of the sleepless nights, uh, a, a little bit easier. Right. Yeah. You, you talk about door slamming and sleepless nights. Um, what's what do you think your unique quality that's made you um, get through all those no's and uh, doors being slammed in your face and all the trials and tribulations of uh, your career journey? So probably uh, that I don't ever listen to the word no. I can't stand that word. Uh, I always laugh. My my husband says you don't understand the meaning of no, you just think it's another way to redirect your question. And that's exactly it. I want to uh, um, find another way to turn that no into a yes. Um, if it's somebody telling me that it can't be done, I want to rephrase it or or rethink it or just uh, reimagine a possibility until I can get to the word yes. So ignoring the word no has helped me a lot. Uh, I know it's frustrated the bejeebers out of a lot of people because I don't, uh, I'm not a very good uh, listener that way. Um, that, uh, um, you know, I, and I guess it was, it, it wasn't me not hearing the word no, I couldn't hear the word because it needed, I was doing it for children with cancer and their families. And that's the, the probably the most compelling reason I had to change the narrative on everybody else's desire to to shut me down or say it can't be done or you need to do things differently um, was uh, the power of um, all of those children and their families. So for somebody wanting to pursue maybe starting their own charity or even going to the world of entrepreneurship, what pieces of advice would you give them? I would say be willing to do any lousy, non-glamorous, ugly, uh, questioning type of jobs that you have to do. You've got it, um, you know, it, it's, it's lonely at the top. Well, it's, it's even lonelier at the bottom, I think, that uh, uh, you think, gee, do I have to persevere through all of these things? And yeah, you do. You've got to be willing to, to uh, put in um, the, the, the hard, roll-up-your-sleeves type of labor. But you've also got to keep in mind that you've got to take the initiative, um, that you've got to uh, keep thinking um, in creative and different ways. And uh, also, um, I know one thing that I really valued and learned a lot from was continuing my education, always be learning and uh, place a good deal of um, uh, emphasis on your professional development always be looking for ways to improve. Yeah, you speak of always learning. Has there been any uh, resources in particular that's helped you? 
Well, I think um, the great networking opportunities of uh, professional associations, um, any of the continuing education courses at uh, the University of Calgary, uh, University of Alberta, Mount Royal, uh, any of those uh, um, uh, higher institutions of learning uh, always have some really good courses. Uh, but I think you've got to be learning also from a mentor as well. Uh, finding a good, strong mentor and uh, uh, establishing a strong relationship with them, I think, is also a, a great way to learn uh, from. Uh, professional coaching is also a great way uh, to, to, to help you stay on track as well. So, you know, if you can afford it and uh, if you can avail yourself to it, of course, uh, you know, generally a... Um, Mentor is free, but uh, professional coaching, of course, is not. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a, a, a good way to, uh, uh, to, to learn and um, uh, keep your mind open to other possibilities. I think that's probably one of the, the most important things that I've learned is uh, keeping an open mind. And it isn't just um, a, a, a nice adage. It's true. Uh, there's always different ways of doing things. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Education never stops. Uh, I feel like one piece of uh, being a business leader and entrepreneur is that you're always learning, always constantly um, consuming new, new content and ideas. Um, and you did also mention mentors. If someone listening right now wants to find a mentor, what would be the best ways to uh, connect with somebody like that? Well, I think, you know, finding a mentor is really individual to everybody. And um, if there's somebody that you like their style, you know, I often uh, will describe somebody as they have a nice way about them. And it's somebody that you would like to emulate. Um, somebody that has attributes and qualities and maybe leadership characteristics that you really admire and you would like to emulate and see yourself being more like uh, or somebody that's been really successful uh, at doing uh, something that you're really interested in doing is probably the right person uh, to be your mentor. And so I think it's um, it's so individual, but, um, you know, just inviting the person out for a coffee or a conversation and, and asking them, you know, would you like to be my mentor? Is this something that uh, you could see yourself doing? And then have an expectations um, discussion about what does a mentor look like and, and how important is it? I think that that's, um, uh, that's one way to find a mentor, but of course it's going to be really individual for everybody. For you, has there been anything recently that you've read or listened to that's really inspired you? Um, yeah, you know what, um, I've, I've been, uh, listening to, um, I, I like audibles, uh, because I can do other things while I'm, I'm listening to my audible. So, and it's kind of a lazy person's way of, uh, reading a book, um, if you're too busy to, to do it any other time. But, um, right now in my audible, I'm, I'm listening to, uh, Jordan Peterson, 12 rules for life. And, uh, I think that there's some, uh, uh, you know, he's got some interesting discussions on there. So um, he's kind of my inspiration right now. But um, I'm also being inspired by the people on my kids cancer care team. They're coming up with some amazing ideas and some uh, really different um thoughts. And uh, I think it's just essentially a pandemic uh, drives you to different places. And, uh, and what are you doing to really um, do things differently today? 
and 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 letting um, letting your imagination go wild. I think a little bit too is uh, is also uh, uh, you know causing me to to reflect and uh, saying what can we do that's going to be different. Uh, that it's going to be unique, that it's going to capture the attention of uh, of a donor or somebody that wants to do a fundraiser for you, but that is going to be able to raise money so that we can uh, continue to do uh, our online suite of uh, programs for uh, children and families. So that's always what it uh, gets back to for me. Is there a myth, maybe a misconception uh, that you always hear about uh the industry that uh, you wish would be uh, put to bed? Oh, what a great question. Uh, this is uh, such a, um, an interesting one for anybody in the charitable sector. There's um, a practitioner in our world, and he's also a, a, a really great author, comes out with some great stuff. His name's Dan Pallotta. And um, it's the admin cost myth. I think one thing that just drives me over the top is uh, people say, well, what are your admin costs and what are your fundraising costs? And then you have to educate people, and, and rightly so. It's because this was, again, an old adage that, you know, you don't fund somebody that has too high of fundraising costs or administrative costs because the best-run charities have great infrastructure. They've invested in their HR, their technology, their professional development, and it thereby allows them to provide programs and services that we need to do our mission. And if we don't have those underpinnings, the same as any business, you can't actually do the best programs and services if you're uh, underpaying your staff, if you don't have proper ergonomics in your office, if you're not encouraging them to be lifelong learners and invest in their professional development, you're never going to have a high-functioning team that's going to be able to be there 100% Uh, for your mission-based work. So I think that's the myth that I would really like to dispel is um, if you could uh, invest a dollar into something and and your return on investment is $5, wouldn't you do that? Uh, And in our world, that would be a 20% uh, admin cost uh, and um, would certainly be uh, very acceptable. But uh, people have been fed um, what I would be, what I would consider uh, an untruth, um, and that they need to they they need to turn their their heads around on that and uh, and figure it out. If you've got a really good, well run charity, you've probably they're probably reaching high efficacy in their mission. Personally, it could be professionally. What's what's something that you're curious about right now? What am I curious about right now? I want to know when are the kids going back to school? If they're going back to school in September, uh, and not that I have school age children, but you know what it means to me is that if kids are going back to school in September, and that um, you know the powers that be think that they're safe enough to go back to school, then I think we're safe enough to do a lot of things. And then you know what I can. Uh, uh, kids can go back to camp again. I can continue to do programs face-to-face. I know uh, my team is just chomping at the bit to be face-to-face with uh, with the kids again. Uh, I think it breaks our hearts every day that we can't uh, do our programs. It's, it's so sad to know that we have this 
beautiful camp facility and it's going to be idle for the most part this summer. Uh, we are do, we are going to be doing programs, um, uh, uh, kind of sort of programs. Uh, we're going to have two two families that come out to use the camp for uh, three nights each. So uh, that's going to you know at least it's not going to be completely shuttered uh, this summer. But uh, I think if we think if we find that the kids are are able to go back to school, I think life is going to be going back to normal again or back to the new normal. Uh, and, um, and our children will guide us on this, uh, depending on what they're able to do, they're going to guide us back to, uh, to our new normal. You, you mentioned online programs. Are there any that you'd like to spotlight? Oh, you know what? They're just the most remarkable story. This is our truly our silver lining is um, we wanted to do our uh, peer program, which is a pediatric exercise rehabilitative uh, program uh, for children with cancer. We wanted to get it out throughout the whole province anyway. And now we've been forced to do it through our online uh, platform. And um, that's making sure that uh, children that are going through that need some kind of rehab therapy um, because of the uh, treatment and the disease itself uh, has uh, rendered them much weaker, uh, balance and coordination are off, and um, that uh, our exercise physiologist is able to lead them through uh, a series of exercise and play that they're able to, uh, uh, you know, get their strength back and do a child's work, which is play. Uh, we're also doing online tutoring. We have a vo volunteer uh, tutoring program to make sure that our kids uh, that are in the thick of treatment are uh, continue to uh, be able to um, uh, do their uh, uh, learning online and that they're not being left behind in any way, shape or form. Uh, that uh, kids that are experiencing a lot of anxiety, you know, I often describe these kids as um, their families in crisis, in a crisis. So they're already in a crisis being that they're in the midst of uh, fighting for their child's life uh, uh, as they get them through childhood cancer. And then you throw in a pandemic. So they're, they're, they're doubly um, uh, crisis by this. And uh, uh, so they're going to have a lot of uh, uh, anxiety issues and isolation issues and that kind of thing. And so we're doing an online program through our uh, child life specialist as well. So, you know, we've got... Um, uh, uh, and another one, our team leadership program has been taken online as well. And, and so we've got four really top notch online programs that uh, are keeping our, uh, our kids in touch, our families in touch. And then because they're all missing camp so much, every Thursday night, we have a virtual campfire. And there's counselors from around the world that are uh, that have come back uh, and uh, are signing on to um, the the uh, Zoom meeting and uh, able to do some songs and some campfire skits and and just uh, you know the kids are able to see their some of their favorite people in the whole world are counselors um, playing and singing and dancing uh, with them again and uh, even though they can't be there in person they're there uh, they can see them and they can hear it so you know there's that connectivity we're we're such social animals and uh, none this any less than than anywhere else that we have to see and feel and interact and 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 uh, reach out and so these uh, these programs are are doing that and as an aside they're also therapeutic which uh, the kids don't really care about but I know their family their parents sure do 
Yeah, absolutely. What really was profound to me, what you said was uh, crisis in a crisis. It's really great to hear that you guys are still providing that connectivity. How has Calgary changed uh, from when you first started uh, your journey to now? <laughs> well, that's interesting because I'm, I'm a born and raised Calgarian. So everything has changed and nothing has changed. Um, the city is probably still the very best place in the world to live. Uh, I've been to 32 other countries uh, in my travels, and uh, I know that Calgary is the place to be. Uh, we're going through so many diff- so many difficult times right now, and and um, the the resilience of the human spirit always uh, amazes me and um, uh, encourages me. That even though I know that things look so dark right now, that it's going to change. It's going to go back again. It's going to, we're, we're going to bounce back from this too, because that's the Calgary spirit. And while so much has changed and people change, I think the spirit, it's just, um, it's that, um, uh, it's, it's that good karma that uh, Calgarians possess that uh, we've got this entrepreneurial spirit that anything is possible and that when we're down on our luck, we help each other to get back up. Now, right now we're all kind of down on our luck. And so it's going to take the collective spirit and wisdom and grace of every Calgarian and every Albertan to get us back on top again. And I know we're going to do it. I have faith. What's one question that uh, you never get asked that you wish you would be asked. <laughs> you know what? This is such a good question because um, you've mentioned a couple times the word entrepreneur, and I've never been considered an entrepreneur, although I am. So I would have liked to have been asked, "What's it like to be an entrepreneur?" Uh, because even though I didn't start a for-profit business, I started a charity. Uh, that it's still all of the um, all of the elements are the same. Uh, my bottom line is called, re- it, it's, it's different than retained earnings, it's surplus, but uh, all of the business elements are the same. And, uh, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well in uh, people that start charities as well. So I guess it's, uh, it, it's just a, a, a difference of uh, mindset that uh, separates uh, people that wouldn't consider me to be an entrepreneur, but I am. And yeah. I have that spirit. The entrepreneur spirit is very alive and well in Christine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, I only have a couple more questions here. Um, So where can our listeners connect with you online or even the uh, charity online? Yeah, you bet. Um, Kidscancercare.ab.ca. We've uh, got a great web page. There's volunteer opportunities. Uh, There's opportunities to give and get involved. Uh, and uh, it's uh, a, a great way to, to stay in touch and sign up for our newsletter and do things like that and, and just see what else we're all about. Uh, there's a lot of aspects of kids' cancer care. I think people would be surprised at uh, how much uh, we impact a, a family um, right from the minute of diagnosis through to um, thriving and surviving or bereavement. We're there for families throughout their entire cancer journey. And, and our webpage is probably the best place to, to find that story out. Um, and uh, they can certainly get in touch with me online there too. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you being on, Christine. I usually like to end the podcast with uh, the guest telling, asking a question to the audience or even a quote or a story um, to leave them. Uh, with the interview. 
So this, my, my little story would be um, something that my father said to us every night at dinner time. Um, we had um, a, um, uh, we always had a family dinner, came from a family of five kids. And uh, my dad would start off the conversation at the dinner table with, what did you do today to justify your existence? And, and he wasn't being a mean, ogrely type of person. It was, how was your day? But it was also much deeper than that. It was a deep probing question of what did you do today to make the world a better place? What did you do to make yourself feel good? Somebody else feel good? Uh, what did you accomplish? What was a good thing in your day? And that's always been a guiding um, quote, I guess, for me, because it came from my dearly loved dad. And uh, uh, but it's also been a guiding force in uh, helping me uh, create, write the story of kids' cancer care and sustain it, and especially sustain it through uh, different um, times as we're in today. What did I do to justify my existence today? Well, I'm journaling every day now, to uh, which I hate writing things down. Uh, and and uh, so it's just giving me a, a, a little snapshot of, what happened during COVID-19 and to capture and hold the lessons of this troubling time so that we learn from uh, this very difficult time and that we don't let this crisis go without learning and, uh, and taking advantage of it.